Can you see me okay? I can see you, but this is all going to be audio. Just audio. Just audio. As, as much as my fans love your pretty face, they hate mine. <laughs> That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I, got a, I got a face for radio and a voice for newsprint. That's me. <laughs> Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. This is indeed the P4B. Uh, this podcast will drop on August 8th. A few quick notes before we kick off. This is going to be a basically a political podcast. I do have some notes I want to get to. And this first one people will think is political. It's not. It's uh, It's been rendered political by our political discourse in this country. Uh, the fact that people take facts and turn them into silly political arguments is not my fault. But uh, I have been covering this over the, the previous months, and I wanted to give you an update, and it has to do with the Ukraine war. Ukraine, the uh, spring-summer offensive is not making great headway. Uh, they really needed that area below that dam that was destroyed in order to push through to the south southeast of the country and cut off uh, Russians and kill Russians, sadly enough. Uh, but they're, they were denied that by the destruction of the dam. And that's made their progress difficult. Uh, Putin, who I call the little Russian jerk-off, is continuing his random destruction, most of which has no military value, but is wearing down the Ukraine and throwing bodies into the grinder. The Ukraines need a kill ratio of six or seven to one, and they're not achieving that. They're bogged down in minefields and uh, man-made obstacles. And in some areas, they're getting bottlenecked. Uh, food exports and processing are crippled. Maybe a quarter of what normally is exported from Ukraine will make it out this year, less than that next year. Because if you can't move what you've got, you can't create more. Also, a lot of farm areas and processing plants obviously have been destroyed. This year, by summer, and certainly after that, the war will be felt heavily in the Middle East and Africa. And we'll also, we'll also feel it here. By spring, the pressure will be on from all over the world to settle the conflict. This will be to Ukraine's disadvantage. If you don't think so, consider what's going to happen to the price of wheat even here. When wheat on the international market endures a spike from what's happening in Ukraine, that's we're not going to be immune to that. Our processors aren't going to say, well, gee, if Egypt and Turkey will pay more for wheat or more for flour or more for processed wheat products, then we can't sell them that. We have to just sell it here. They're not going to do that. 
our stuff will be a part of the world market and the world market prices are going to go up. <laughs> Speaking of politics, I would love to blame that one on Biden, but I can't. Not entirely. There is a political slash criminal angle to this, but I'm not going to talk about that tonight. You can ask about it in the comments if you want to hear about it. Perhaps I'll do a special on it. Also, I am enjoying Substack. Uh, I was happy when they added chat. And it started out well, but it quickly became too much like Twitter. I invite discussion on anything. But bring adult argument. If you talk like an Antifa poof, I'll block you. To argue means to reason. So bring that to your comments or to chat if you're a member, and we'll have a blast. Okay, we have two big guests here tonight. I must warn you, uh, when you're a huge podcast success like me, people are clamoring to be a part of it and, and come on and be your guests. But when it comes to these high-flying, world-famous sports commentators like I have now, you know, they're out driving their fancy cars, drinking champagne with movie stars. So they kept me waiting till 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. <laughs> so so here I am. I'm already in my footsie pajamas. I have barely enough whiskey in me to maintain life. And I'm ready to do a podcast. Joining me are the uh, host of the Atlanta Braves dugout that's the name of the podcast atlanta braves dugout that sam peebles is with us he's also a member of the air national guard thank you for your service lad and this this is a working weekend for him uh sam are you still in your car by the way i am i just pulled up to the hotel are you comfortable there i mean yeah 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 for okay. sure <laughs> what's the weather like down there it just stopped raining, so happy okay. about that. All right, cool. Let me know if you get uncomfortable. I won't oh, change anything. Fine. I just want to know that you're uncomfortable. You know, you're <laughs> you're beating us this season, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, also joining us tonight, uh, a regular. He's the most popular guest on the P4B. Uh, our Delco Philadelphia sports savant, uh, Ron Corey. Hello, folks. <laughs> I just called you a genius, dude. <laughs> Hardly. I didn't I didn't know we manufactured geniuses in Delco. <laughs> I thought we only made reprobates and felons. <laughs> well, there's a genius here and there. I'm I don't happen to be one of them, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. And since Atlanta is in first place, I'm going to let Sam have the honors on the early questioning. Uh, and Sam, how did you get involved with baseball? How did you come to baseball? When did you become a fan and start your podcast? Where, where is that? What's the genesis of all that? Well, I first became a fan of baseball because I grew up next door to my grandparents, and that was during the TBS era of Braves baseball. And uh, I would go over to their house. I'd walk across I mean, we had a pond in between our houses so I'd, I'd walk across the pond if you will over uh -huh. to their house and watch Braves games with them and any chance I got and that's how I kind of fell in love with 
the sport of baseball. And because of that, I started playing baseball and got heavily into playing. And then uh, I've always been really into numbers and statistics. I'm a huge numbers guy. And for obvious reasons, I love baseball because it's such a huge, huge, it's huge with numbers. And I've realized that through, I've, I've been studying the sport of baseball since I was a kid, the statistics behind it. And I realized that very few fans understand how much statistics and numbers truly drive everything in baseball, not just, you know, the slash line that you see that pops up on the screen, but business moves that are made, how teams are built and everything. The numbers drive all of that. And I realized that not many fans knew the numbers like I did. And I just figured it was my way to give back to, I've spent hours and hours and hours and, and of research just for fun. I love researching baseball and I figured it was my way to give back to the baseball community, helping people understand how important the numbers are behind the sport. Wow. So you're a, you're a definitely a, a box score guy and that's just the beginning of it, right? Oh yeah. If you read some of my stuff on battery power, I'm using like charts and stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm in I'm really into trend analysis and all that stuff. I love it. Well, I, I can tell you if, if you are a fan of baseball and you want to understand the game, uh, Braves dugout, uh, despite the fact that it's a team of reprobates that we all hate, uh, <laughs> is a great place to understand the game. No doubt about it. <laughs> yes, I will say too. I try my best to keep bias out of it. So I'm not trying to hype up how good the Braves baseball team is all the time. I mm -hmm. point out when things are bad too, you know. And yeah, I like obvious. to give team. Yes. <laughs> and also they're, like, they're not yeah. paid too often, so you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was a there was a spell for a while that it wasn't so fun. That's true. During that time when the Phillies were winning the division every year. Yep. 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 How how long have you been doing the podcast? Uh, the podcast probably since mm, 2000. This is the, my fourth year doing it, I think. So, I mean, the, the, this was right around the time the Braves started to get good again. Very good. Very good. Ron, for the benefit of new listeners here and Sam's listeners, I wonder if you could give me the rundown of your history with baseball, your biography. Sure, sure. I, I enjoyed hearing Sam there. Uh, he seems to be a, a money ball kind of a guy. I'm sure Sam, you know about right. that movie, which is fa fabulous and uh, all the analytics and that kind of thing. So I can certainly understand that. Uh, my uh, my baseball, my Phillies uh, interest goes back to 1964, actually, when I was a very young little kid. And I had a uh, I had an uncle that worked for First Pennsylvania Bank and he was a BP there and he got me tickets to the World Series. In 1964, <laughs> well, we have you know we have the pennant. We had the pennant if, when we were little in our bedroom. If you know your baseball history, uh, they uh, pretty much lost most of the last ten games and fell out of the uh, fell out of the World Series chase. And uh, and uh, I cried for about a week. So uh, that that was the, that was my first uh, entree into uh, into the Phillies. Now, since a after that, uh, a little bit older, as I think I mentioned to you in a previous podcast, Matt, I used to cut out the box scores uh, in the old Philadelphia Bulletin every day, post them up, and somewhat similar to Sam, just got involved with uh, with the uh, the batting averages and the ERAs and that kind of thing at a very young age, and I've been following the Phillies ever since. And it's it's fun talking to both of you for that reason. You're so intimate 
with the sports that you follow. I, I tell people that Ron's my Phillies encyclopedia. Whenever I have a question, it pops up on his messenger. <laughs> and, and he's always got the answer. You know, you can always tell me. <laughs> um, well, I, I keep up in uh, with all my uh, baseball fan, uh, friends on uh, Facebook, especially, and post, uh, you know, a little nightly synopsis and a summary of uh, – of each game, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I do some of that along with, as you know, Matt, my political stuff, it's sports and politics pretty much. That's it. Yep. I I don't do much with Philly sports. I haven't taken your advice on getting all the streaming rigged to my TV. Right. Um, so I have them listed to DVR. And whenever okay. anybody in my area picks it up, then I get the game. Yep. Uh, but yeah, my passions are, are politics, really. That's my big passion in woodworking. And of course, Sam, I remember the, the Braves when they were the, uh, I guess you mentioned it was TBS and you pretty much got every Braves game up at one point in the, uh, uh, uh -huh. you know, I guess in the nineties or in, in two thousands. Yep. I remember that era. Yeah, that, that was the good old days when you could just watch Braves every night if you really wanted yeah. to. Yep. You really could. It was, uh, I forget where I was at that point. It might've been Norfolk. And maybe uh, I spent during that TBS era a little time in Philly. And you couldn't turn the TV on without catching the Braves. Right. I, yep. I, never, I thought, what the hell is this? But TBS, <laughs> was that out of Atlanta? Yep. Okay, that makes yes. sense. And they were kind of the uh, America's team, uh, similar to the, the Dallas Cowboys in, in, the end, uh, in, in football. The, the Braves, because they were on every, every day back in that era, you pretty much knew what was going on with them. Right. Right. And much like the Cowboys, they had a lot of division wins, but not as many championships. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And it goes back <laughs> to the old uh, what the old Ted uh, the old Ted Turner days, I guess. Yes, I'm mm -hmm. one of those easily satisfied fans. If they make it to the playoffs, I call it a great year. <laughs> you know, I want to. You know, I want all Philly teams to go all the way, but. If if they make it to the playoffs, I'm like, damn, those guys earned their paychecks. They gave us a good show. I'm happy. And that's uh, you know, segue. That's kind of what we're hoping for this year, Matt. I mean, I, I don't see the I don't see the Phillies passing the Braves uh, for the for the uh, division. But uh, if we can get sneak into those uh, playoffs, similar to what we did last year, you know, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. Well, that, hold that thought because I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that later. Yep. And I'll also have a thought about season length that runs along with that. But, Sam, you now have Fox Sports asking if this is the best Braves roster ever. That's got to feel good. It does feel good. I, I will say this, as far as offense goes, if they're not scoring the most runs per game ever, but as far as most runs per game above league average, this is the best offense the Braves have had since 1897. So Wow. Wow. Yep. Did not know if that. If you're looking, yeah, it's it's not the most run scored per game, but you got to, you know, pitching changes year by year, which is why we have statistics like ERA plus that adjust it to the era. And if you look at things like that, the Braves, as far as if you look at the average run scored per game across the league, this is the largest gap in between how many how much runs are scoring per game versus league average since 1897. Wow. So offensively, I... yeah, they're, this is definitely one of the best ever. Of course, uh, their rotation, they lead the National League and the best DRA. Their bullpen 
is top five in almost every category that matters. And so, yeah, this is on paper for the regular season, at least. This is definitely better than the 2021 World Series team, for sure. No kidding. Yeah, yeah you guys have a bright future there. Well, I was looking for I was looking at some of the stats for this year. I knew I know they're number one in home runs. They're number two. I, I'm talking about all of, all of uh, baseball. One in home runs, second in batting average, second in RBIs, first in slugging. So I mean, they certainly have a, a great offensive team. That's killer. Too bad. Too bad yes. we can't say the same. Well, <laughs> uh, you know. I don't. I don't know if, if we want to talk about the Phils yet, or, or we're still on the Braves. But they've been disappointing. Uh, on paper, you know, when you look at everybody, you say, "Hey, this should this team should be right up there with the Braves." But right, right. A couple players have, and and it's been obviously well documented right now. Uh, Trey Turner is uh, is not Trey Turner, and that's uh, that's killing us right now. So whether he can turn it around this year, I don't know. But uh, he is. Uh, one of the major reasons why we are where we are right now. And we, uh, uh, our pitching actually has been better than expected, but the bats just aren't there. Yeah. I've, I've seen you talk about that and the games I've watched. That's been true. Uh, that, that goes right to the next question, Ron, would it be an understatement to say Philly's pleased with Lorenzen's debut this week? Uh. Absolutely. I mean, that's certainly a bright spot. And um, what happened, what happened was we had a, uh, we had a rookie by the name of Andrew Painter, Sam, I'm sure you've probably heard that name before. Uh, Absolutely. Supposed to be our, at least our fifth starter, if not better than that. And he's out with Tommy John surgery. He won't be back until 2025, apparently. So Jesus Christ, that put a real, obviously put a real crimp in the whole, uh, whole issue. Now, um, uh, that that's you know th that's a real problem. Uh, Bryce Harper, of course, had uh, Tommy John also, but he's not pitching, so he right. was able to come back uh, fairly, actually, quicker than expected as a as a designated hitter, and he's playing some first base right now. But that killed the uh, that killed the starting pitching staff, and yet everybody else has been doing pretty well. So uh, uh, Lorenzen, who's coming, who just pitched his first game, is a a real bright spot. Of course, it's. Uh, it's early, you know, it's, that's one yeah. game. And um, yeah. the, I'm sure the adrenaline was going and everything else. So too early to tell, but uh, uh, again, between, he, he's, uh, he's come to Philly. He looks promising. So now he, he, ha does. he has to throw his shoulder out or something. You know, <laughs> or get hit which, by a car. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Speaking of which, Sam, I mean, just, just staying along this line for a little while. Uh, I looked at the, the Braves injured list. Um, it's not too awful. You lost a few earlier. Permanently, they they were actually released. Um, do you see any perceived impact with the existing injured list? And are there any players you would kill to see back before the season winds down? Well, fortunately for the Braves, they're almost completely healthy. Uh, Max Freed, their ace, just came back and pitched amazing against the hottest right. offense in Major League Baseball today in the Cubs. The Cubs have scored more runs than anyone since the All-Star break, second most runs to the Atlanta Braves since June 1st, and Max Freed uh, made them look like a little league team today. So <laughs> that was that was really cool to see. Max Freed has obviously been working hard on making sure he's pitching well and really the only guy, you know, it'd be nice to have Kyle Wright back, um, but the Braves, since they're so far ahead, 
in the division, you don't really need a fifth starter because you don't use a fifth. Typically, you don't use a fifth starter in the playoffs anyways. So, you know, if you have a top, when you got the the top four rotation that they have right now, they should be just fine. Really, what the one player I'm looking forward to coming back is Dylan Lee uh-huh. uh, for the bullpen. And uh, he, in his rookie year last year, he, you know, was overshadowed by Michael Harris and Spencer Strider, but he had an excellent season uh, in the relief role. And uh, he'd be a huge impact coming back to, the bullpen. I gotta say, it's really nice to be able to sit here and talk about the one player you want back is like a seventh inning bullpen arm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, <laughs> man, I wish our race would come back. It's like, man, I wish, I wish a seventh inning bullpen guy would get healthy soon. <laughs> you know? Well, that, I but, tell you, you know, you're coasting when you can say that. Yes, yes. And Rob, this what? is the first time I can remember in my lifetime that I'm making this statement. Oh, it's not that big of a deal if the Braves don't have a fifth starter because they're. 13 games up in the division or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. That sounds good. Ron, when is Reese coming back? I don't think we're going to see him this year. Really? Unfortunately. Now he, he technically may be okay by October, but you know, at that point, are, well, first of all, are the Phillies in it? And second of all, it's going to be hard for him to get ramped up for a playoff game or, you know, you know, in, in this, Looking at the best best chance scenario, maybe the World Series, but you know that that's really that's really pushing it. So I I don't yeah. think we're going to see him this year, and sadly, I'm not sure we're going to see him again in a Phillies uniform. But uh, you know, uh, wow, really? Well, you know, he's this was the last year of his contract, and I don't know that the Phillies are going to want to pay pay him what he may be able to get on the street. So I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see. I, I don't I don't think it's impossible, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he was elsewhere as a designated hitter, maybe in the, uh, you know, well, I was going to say the American League, but it could be anywhere now. <laughs> yeah, really. I was uh, um, next- I was reading yeah. the Phillies injured list from the whole year. Yeah, we we haven't and- been as we haven't been as lucky as the Braves, that's for sure. We have a lot of uh, well, you know, starting of course with uh, with Bryce Harper coming back and uh, still not having. He has no power. I mean, he's he's been fine. I mean, he's hitting. Uh, uh, he's hitting about 295 right now, uh, but with no power, and he's he's testing first base. He's never played first base before, and uh, and right now he's playing first base. By the way, the Phillies lost to the Royals seven to five tonight. Just just Ooh. ended. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, not as lucky as the, as the Braves, uh, of course. So I mentioned Harper. Um, Phillies have uh, especially their bullpen has been devastated. I, I mentioned Painter, the starter, but. Uh, at uh, one time or another, we've had Alvarado out, we've had Dominguez out, we've had uh, uh, Kimbrel out. So, I mean, they're playing, you know, musical chairs, especially with the relievers. And uh, so that's been a big, uh, big issue for the Phillies. And and then from time to time, you know, some of the starters have either been out or just in slumps. And we talked a little bit about it. I mean, we had a, a Castanero slump. And right now, I mean, Turner's been in a slump since day one, since the World Baseball Classic. So, we don't know what's going on there, but uh, so that's been the Phillies issue. There's a lot of inconsistency. They've they've uh, put together two or three good games, and then they have one or two real stinkers. So yeah. that's been the Phillies issue. Yeah, I was um, maybe both you guys can can address this, but huh, excuse me, injuries on all squads. If you go through the list, there's so many injuries to pitchers. Yep. I'm yes. wondering. This is. I'm wondering if the, the. Go ahead. 
I've I've done the math. We're on pace for the most injuries to pitchers ever in a season. It's crazy. The highest we ever had in a season was about what well, I think it was 478, and we're on pace for well over 500 this year. Yeah, what do you attribute that to, Sam? Do you think it's uh, they're just they're, they're they're pushing themselves harder in these 100 and 101 mile an hour fastballs? What do you think it is? Yeah, I, I think I was it, saying a lot that, that of injuries science... happen. The science of pitching has it has exceeded human endurance. No, I think it's uh, a lot of pitchers early in the season were adjusting to the pitch clock, and that caused a lot of injuries. Wow, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're having to pitch faster, and maybe that's a little bit more taxing on the arm. Yes, yeah, I was, guys I was like looking... for example, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's a pitcher like AJ Minter, he uh, took. He every he averaged a pitch clock violation on in between every single pitch, and that's be, like prior to this year, before the pitch clock, his average in between pitches would cause a pitch clock violation every single time, and, and that's because completely off his natural rhythm. Yes, it is, and it's because when you have these guys throwing this hard, every second they get to rest their arm helps them. So when they have to speed up and not be able to rest their arm as often, that's why we're yeah. seeing a lot more things like elbow, elbow and shoulder inflammation and things like that. This in is an Phillies, assumption now. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. No, I think th so. That's my in, guess. In the Phillies case, here's an example. Aaron Nola seems and still does seem to be really affected by the pitch clock. I mean, his batting, his uh, ERA is now after tonight over, what is it, 4.58 now tonight. And what I notice, and what he's been doing is throwing balls out here and there just to kind of slow slow things down a little bit. In fact, uh, I noticed just tonight the third base umpire was taking notes. I think he was writing down how many times, how many balls are being thrown out because it's slowing the game down. I mean, he's obviously trying to slow the game down a little bit, but I don't think he's getting on the umpire's side at, at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel... I don't know if you want to get rid of the pitch clock. No, no, I I, I like could... the pitch. I I personally like the pitch clock. I think what I would probably do is um, maybe you know uh, Sam, it's what is it, fifteen seconds, and then twenty if there's somebody on base. Yes. Uh, I might make it twenty standard, but that's that's just me. And I do think over time, pitchers. Pitchers will get used to it. You know, minor leagues have been doing it for years, but these pitchers that have been in the majors for a while, they never had a pitch clock. So they'll they'll adjust over time, I think. Um, this I, is just think, a brand new thing. I don't know if this is, a, you know, my imagination or not, but to me, this has been the worst umpired season that I've ever seen. And I wonder if it's affecting them in some way. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I can't I can't speak to it, but if you look, I mean, the umpires have been horrendous. Uh, uh, yeah, well, that's Angel not Hernandez the first time I've heard it. You heard back, on the... so... Go ahead, Sam. Angel Hernandez just came back, so it just got a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah, we, did, we, we didn't miss him, that's for sure. Oh, Sam, before, <laughs> before I forget, my favorite character on the Braves is the Braves organist. That guy is so funny. He is, and every single day on Twitter. He'll say, "Hey, give me some suggestions for players and and when what's walk up songs I should get." So like he he involves the fans too, so it's a lot oh, of fun. I actually, when they play the Phillies, I actually have t uh, t 
tweeted him a few ideas for the Phillies. And I think he's taking me up on one or two of them. But he is just, I mean, he is, I, I can't wait to just hear what he's going to come up with from game to game. It's really good. <laughs> well, I'll have to start watching Atlanta Braves games. But what he does, what he does, uh, uh, Matt, is he has a song for every every player that walks up, and right. that's for the home team and the away team. That's crazy. And he tries <laughs> he tries to get witty with it too. Like so, if someone has a name and their last name or first name makes you think of a certain song, like you'll he'll play it. For example, like um, like when Jesus Sanchez plays for the Marlins, he plays like. Uh, some type of song with with Jesus in it, you know, or oh. something like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he, um, he, he just and some of them are are it kind of you have to think about it. Uh, how can I say this? Like he does things, and then it takes you a while to figure out what he's trying to do with the song. Like for example, Alec Boom, he played uh, I don't know if you know the song "Drop the Bomb on Me," but it's actually Boom. <laughs> if you know what I mean? So it's yeah, you yeah. Have to kind of think about you think about what he's doing. That is great. All right. Take your time with this next one, guys. We can go in, in any order. But there's more than 40 games left. And a lot can happen in 40 games. Uh, what do each one of you, I guess I'll ask Sam first, what do, you, what do you see in the next 40 games? What do you worry about between now and the playoffs? Well, so there's this site I really like, and I kind of want to plug it, even though I won't get any money or anything for it. There's a site called powerrankingsguru.com. And what they do is, you know, typically when you look at strength of schedule, people just say, oh, yeah, they've got an easy schedule or a hard schedule because they've got this many 500 teams above or below 500 teams left. What this does is it takes the power rankings and then ranks the strength of schedule based on the power rankings. So, for example, the Braves are over 500, but so are the Angels. But it's not playing the same. If you're playing the Angels, you're going to have a heck of a lot easier time beating them than beating the Braves, right? So they're not all not all five over 500 teams are created equal, and not all below 500 teams are created equal. So what they do is they take the power rankings and they show you up to this point how easy or hard a team's schedule is, and they rank it from one to 30. And they do the same thing with the remaining schedule. And both the Phillies and the Braves have, uh, I believe, five and the fifth and sixth easiest schedule remaining. And the mm -hmm. Marlins have one of the hardest. So it looks like the Phillies have a really good path forward to make the playoffs. And so, and obviously the Braves do, because right now they've got a 99.6% chance of winning the division. So um, with that much of a lead, like, I don't want to sit here and gloat or anything. I'm just running the numbers. Uh, no, no, you're good. You're I'm good. not worried about the Braves making the playoffs. I'm more worried about managing the team to where don't do the stupid thing where you give all the starters an entire week off before the playoffs. Right. Let them stay in, you know, throw in Nicky Lopez every every once in a while so that, you know, Brave, one of the players can take a day off and rotate them. I'm really worried about managing and resting at this point. But as far as the Phillies, right? I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What about you, Ron? Well, from the Philly standpoint, uh, you remember the old Who song, The Kids Are All Right? The, the younger kids have been fabulous. Uh, and I mentioned Alec Bohm. I mentioned uh, 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 Bryson Stott. 
these are all young kids and they really have have done yeoman work. Now, the issue is the veterans. Trey Turner is having his worst year. In fact, he ranks something like, I don't know, last I saw, and you would know, Sam, some of these stats, you know them better than I, 132 out of 144 in OPS. Uh, and he's making 300. We have him for another 10 years, so we, we, he better turn it around. Yeah. Uh, 300, 300 million for 10 more years, and he's hitting right now somewhere around 230. Now, that, ju that just doesn't cut it. So if if he can turn it around somewhat, we have uh, uh, Harper, who, again, his batting average is fine, 295 or so, but he has no power. And, again, he came back, maybe came back a little bit too early from the Tommy John, so he's working his way working his way back, even though his, you know, he's getting hits. And then you have Schwarber, who uh, either hits a home run or, or strikes out. Uh, you know, again, he does walk somewhat, so I guess that's positive. But Schwarber's right. hitting about, uh, I think, uh, I didn't see tonight's stats, but he's hitting about 178 right now, and he's leading off. He can't do right. that. He can't do that. So they're, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to do – the vets are going to have to do some turning around. And then, as I mentioned, the, the issue with the injuries in the bullpen, uh, the starters seem to be okay for the most part. But, uh, uh, you know, again, musical chairs in the bullpen could be an issue going forward. Alvarado is supposed to be back in about a week or so. So that may shore things up a little bit. Yeah, you go you go down that list, that injured list, and it's relief pitcher, relief pitcher, relief pitcher. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. And I was going to say, I was I was looking at a photo, a still of Lorenzen throwing the other night when he's when he's got his his arm all the way back just prior mm -hmm. to delivery. And I was watching that Cuban kid that came to the Reds a few years back, well, a lot of years back when we were young, Ron, back before electricity. I'm trying to remember his name, but <laughs> they uh, when you see them. Their bodies are so twisted up, you know. Yeah, and then, and I and then, go ahead. It's it's hard it's hard to believe that uh, some of those arms can hold up over time. I mean, I'm I'm an older guy now, but I was out throwing a ball with my dog, and <laughs> I hurt my left shoulder just from just from tossing yeah. the ball. With the dog, and these guys are throwing 100 miles an hour each pitch. I golfed I golfed two days in a row recently, and both arms were out of commission for like a week and a half. Yep, yep. But I, that's just because we're old as dirt. <laughs> rocks, rocks don't live as long as us. But basically, getting back to the Phillies again, the hope is that uh, they they have about I think somewhere around a sixty percent chance of making the uh, at least make uh, making the wild card. Similar to last year, you know, you hope that uh, that they get in and maybe uh, maybe get hot at the right time. And as Sam mentioned, you only need pretty much only need four starters, and the the Phillies four starters, uh, well. Exception of Noah, who's been very disappointing. Uh, the starters are pretty good, so mm. who knows? I mean, you know, once you get in there, you just see what happens. That uh, brings up something I didn't put it in my notes, and you guys can address this too. Um, the length of the season. The last time, last year, we watched the Phillies, and they did squeak in. And the first part of the playoffs, they put on a show. And I said to Ron in one of our previous discussions about the Phillies that they were the hardest working team in baseball. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I saw in them last year. Yep. 
But when we got to the series, there was like three games in the World Series where the majority of the team looked like they were mailing it in. Well, it, you're right. I think I think it was a question of the, the season, you know, catching up with them and, and, you know, just trying to get there and then, you know, winning those two, uh, the, the, the series before that. And then they hit the they hit the, the buzzsaw of the uh, the Astros uh, pitching. So it was right. a combination of them being tired, uh, of, you know, putting it all out on the field before the World Series and then hitting the buzzsaw who, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Astros, who, who, who were the better team. There's no question about it. Uh, the Astros played brilliant in the series, without a doubt. Yep. What about you, Sam? Do you do you see? I mean, can you imagine a team where the fatigue hits you during the World Series? Well, I mean, it kind of happened to the Braves last year in the, in the National League Division Series, where they were all fatigued from the flu. So, uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, it it. It's a real thing when when teams get tired, and I I fully believe that's probably I fully agree with what what Ron was saying about the Phillies. It really appeared like they'd been playing like it was the playoffs well before the playoffs started, and then by yeah. the time they got to the World Series, they you know the Astros, that rotation is insane. So, I mean, yeah, I mean it ain't soccer, you know, it's not rugby, but just. It's still an endurance. It's still it's still a test of endurance to to keep your head in the game for that long, for that many games, that many cities. In the Phillies case, they they had to work hard just to get into the playoffs, and then they had to work hard to win, you know, win some of the division games, and then they hit right. the hit the buzzsaw at the end. So it was just a, but it was a great year. I mean, no, I don't think anybody's complaining. Yeah. Okay, where do you where do you guys see for the future, Ron? The the, or I'm sorry, Sam. The uh, with the roster you have now, uh, what do you think the prospects are long term? Offensively, they're fine. Pretty much the entire team, other than left field, is locked up through, you know, 2027. So, you know, we got uh, top catcher in Major League Baseball right now. Through, uh, we got. One of the top center fielders, we got Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Matt Olson. All of them are locked up for a very long time, at a minimum of 2026, 20, 2027, some of them all the way up to 2031. So offensively, they're gonna be they're gonna be just fine. Even if they drop off some, they'll still be good. Uh the biggest question mark is really the rotation, because Max Fried is is can hit free agency after the 2024 season. And then uh, Charlie Morton pr will probably be retiring either next year or the following year. So the Bra and the Braves have a lot of depth when it comes to starting pitchers in the minor leagues, but none of them are like elite talent. It's more so depth moves. And so uh, on the offensive side of the ball, the Braves are set for years to come, but the rotation, they're going to have to figure something out in the next few years. What's the, um, what's the budget like in the Braves? Are they a high budget team, middle of the road? This is the highest budget they've ever had, including inflation. So even if you were to include factoring in inflation itself, the Braves have never had a, a payroll this high, and they are in the luxury tax threshold for the first time ever. And so that's something they have to – that's something that a lot of Braves fans are not familiar with. 
they don't understand that you can't just keep adding more players. It's one of the reasons why you didn't see a big splashy move from the Braves at the deadline. They spent all their money in the offseason. They couldn't have added a guy that's making $15 million because they're going to have to pay taxes and all that. And then on top of that, if you stay in the luxury tax threshold for multiple years, you start losing draft picks. And that's how the Braves thrive is by drafting players well and developing players well. So the Braves, that's the one thing. They will have Charlie Morton's uh, contract coming off the book soon. Max Fried is near the end of arbitration, so he's making quite a bit of money. And Marcelo Zuna's contract will come off of the books in two years. So in two years, they'll have a lot more flexibility financially. But as of right now, they we're not gonna you're not gonna see any big flashy moves in the offseason spending a lot of money. They're they're pretty much capped out on their funds. Yeah, the Ron, the Phil's had a few good pickups. Yeah. Before before the trade deadline. Yes, yeah, similar to the Braves, uh, this is the first time uh, the Phillies have gone over the luxury tax uh, when they picked up uh, Trey Turner especially. And, of course, they have uh, Bryce Harper on the books for another, I don't know, eight or nine years, something like that. So there's some high, uh, high-priced high uh, talent there. Um, the future, I think, for the Phillies is pretty bright. Uh, we have, uh, I mentioned Painter, who, unfortunately, uh, we're not going to see till 2025, uh, who will – you know, with any luck, uh, be a starter two years down the road. We have a couple strong pitchers coming up that are maybe we may we may, may actually see them at the end of this year, September and October, just to give them a look. Uh, Abel uh, and uh, a, a Griff McGarry down in the minors who just went to AAA. In fact, today he just got called up to AAA. So I think the future is bright for some of the uh, young kids coming up. Um, and, uh, you know, we just got to watch out for some of those in the, the, the bullpen scares me because of the injuries. We just can't seem to stay healthy there. And yeah, uh, Lorenzen and their, uh, their couple, couple last, last minute pickups again, not, not high price folks, but, uh, we actually had to give up a pretty good talent to get Lorenzen, but, uh, I guess it was hopefully money well spent there. A, uh, worth a, it, yeah. 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 Uh, a, 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 probably their fourth or fifth. Highest uh, minor league talent they gave up for Lorenz, and I think it was number five, uh, number fives. But uh, but I, I think I think we'll be in good shape again if some of that inconsistency turns around. Especially with I keep going back to Trey Turner, but big disappointment. I mean, when he was in the World Baseball Classic, he looked like uh, Babe Ruth, and then as soon as he started playing for the Phils, it all trailed off, and he's currently hitting I don't know, like I said, two thirty five, something like that. It's it's amazing. It's like Heisman Trophy winners disappointing. Yeah, you know, uh, certain it, guys. It, 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 it might it might be a little bit of a Philly curse. Uh, last year, Nick Castellanos, his first year had a terrible year, and he's hmm. fine this year. Even though he's in a little bit, has been a little bit of a slump lately. So it seems like I don't know if, if other cities see the same thing, but it seems like when the Phils get somebody, they have a, a tough time acclimating. I've always I've always said that, not speaking at a complete as a complete layman. Uh, nine times <laughs> well, out of ten, my... we'll get that blue chip, and they'll either disappoint performance wise, or they'll get injured in their second their second outing. Well, this to me, this is a baseball wide thing, and and it's really just a human thing. Truly, most of the time when players hit free agency. They have been playing out of their minds, and the year right before free agency, they typically have one of their best seasons ever because they know they're going to be a free agent and can sign a contract. 
And then once you sign a fully uh, a fully guaranteed contract like in Major League Baseball, what incentive do you have to work hard in the offseason? So you see this happen all the time with big contracts. Albert Pujols, Robinson Cano, you name them. Anthony mm-hmm. Rendon, all those guys. When they sign those big contracts, they don't have that psychological incentive to do really truly do well anymore because they already got their money. So the mo- yeah. the monetary incentive to do well is not there anymore. And so psychologically, they're not working as hard in the offseason, and it shows. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why in today's world we're finding out that uh, there probably will be a shift in how players are signed or, or are part of teams in the near future or either that or front offices are going to have to shift to the what the Braves and the Dodgers do and um, you know the Dodgers have a high payroll but they a lot of their guys when they're good it's the young guys that haven't hit free agency yet that's how the Rays have been successful is because they can't depend on free agents because after players hit free agency especially the ones that make that get sign those long contracts it's almost it's virtually guaranteed they're going to decline mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I guess I hardly even have to ask this last question from both of you guys. Um, Sam, where do you stand on the money ball concept? I mean, I'm all about it. It's, it's proven. It's tried and true and proven. Uh, you know, and it just goes – this season is a perfect example. Look at the teams like the Orioles – and the Rays, they've got low budgets. And then you look at all the teams that are spending all the money, and they're near the bottom. The Yankees, right. you know, the Mets. They, the only, Yankees are in the toilet. High spenders. Right. And there are a few – there's a handful of teams that are doing well, like the Dodgers. But the Dodgers are one of the most analytic, heavy teams, front offices in the sport. They just also happen to have money. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's tried and true. I mean – you, that's why you see guys like Ronald Acuna batting number one. We've started to see a shift across the league how, you know, your best hitter no longer hits number four or number three. They're starting to shift into the number two spot because it's taken away at bats over a long season. I still don't understand why Kyle Schwarber bats number one, though. That one, I am i don't understand that. Uh, uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not even the batting average. The dude has a 320 OBP. Get him out of the one spot. Put someone else up there. But anyways, it is it is very strange, and you know that's that's one of the questions in Philly. Now that being said, when he does, and it's strange when he does bat first, they have a better, a much better uh, win loss percentage than when they drop him. So I guess they're maybe afraid to drop him because of that. I don't know, but hitting one eighty doesn't work uh, for me to be number number one. But right, yeah, I mean, like if he had like a four hundred. On base percentage, I'd be fine with it because you got your first. I mean, if your number one hitter is getting on base 40% of the time, that's fine because you got your number two and number three hitter to knock him over. But he's got a low on base percentage too. Literally, the only thing he has is a slugging percentage. And if that's the case, you need to move him to the three spot. He does, but, he does, walk, he does walk a lot, but I guess that's not helping his uh, overall percentage very much. Not when you're not getting any hits. Yeah. Yeah, that's but right. But you're right. You'd, you'd have to have a lot of walks to have a 320 OBP with a 178 batting average. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah, too low to start. If he was hitting, I don't know, maybe 225, it would be a different story. 
Yeah, I would be all for it. If you're hitting like 225 with like a 380 OBP with, you know, hitting already hit guaranteed to get about 35 home runs a year. Absolutely. Leave them in the one spot. But yeah, right let me now, ask you guys, sense. how much, how much of that um, do you perceive or is it knowable is psychological? Cause Swarber's a powerful bastard, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, but yeah, either yeah, I mean, he pretty much hits a home run or strikes out, uh, right. unless unless he's walking. Yeah, and I can, and this is why I asked if it's psychological. There are times I've seen Schwarber where when he steps to the plate, you know he's going to hit it, and times I see him step to the plate and I know he's going to sit down. He'll yep. walk. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something. There's something in his demeanor. There's something in his eye. And I know I know. there's a lot of finesse to this game. There's a lot of uh, intangibles to this game. Well, so much of it is is a head game. And I'll, again, get back to Trey Turner. He is completely lost. Actually, he did, he did have a pretty big hit tonight. Unfortunately, they still lost. But um, it's you could tell he's lost. I mean, psychologically, I don't think it's a physical thing. It's a mental thing. He's just, you know, and it's it's not only the bat. He's made he's made some ter- he's been a terrible defensive player too. So you know there's something going on in his head right now. He has basically uh, in golf terms the yips. Oh yes, yeah, I can relate to that. In fact, I was just <laughs> going to make a golf analogy. Um, I can teach anybody if they've never picked up a club to be golfing in the 90s in their first season. I can't golf. <laughs> when, I, when I step up to that little white bastard in the real world, my arms are completely retarded. <laughs> and it's all in my head. Every ounce of it is in my head. <laughs> well, that's uh, I, it. And that's what you see a lot in, in baseball, too. It's, uh, it's, it is a head game. Uh, and it's uh, certainly affected him drastically this year. I mean, it, it's nobody expected it. Nobody expected to see what we're seeing right now from him. Uh, yeah. And, and it was funny yeah, that the uh, um, he got a standing ovation the first two times he was up today, which was great to see from the Philadelphia crowd. And then he finally did get a hit, I think, his third at bat. <laughs> standing O. That's funny. Yep. Yep. But I'll tell you, guys, this was – this was fantastic. This will be absolutely one of the best podcasts ever. I think. Well, we'll see. We'll see how the playoffs shape up. If uh, if Philly's still alive and kicking when the playoffs roll around, uh, I would love for us to get together again. I'm pretty confident the Phillies are going to be there. You know, you know whether they can withstand the uh, the vigors of the of the playoffs will remain to be seen. But I'm pretty confident that if they at least turn it around a little bit, we'll see the well, we're certainly going to see the Braves in it. But I think we'll see the Phillies in it too. Yeah, as as a bare minimum, Sam, it would be great if we could have you back. Uh, if not in the playoffs, at least for a preseason game next year. How would you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely, of course. That'd be great. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. I could go on all night, but I know for the interviewee, these things get long. <laughs> that was uh, fun. Well, so that's it for the P4B tonight. 
Uh, we had two cool. fantastic guests. And hopefully we'll have them back on a fairly regular basis when it's appropriate. When when we're we're up against the Atlanta Braves this year for the NL championship. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Statistically, it could happen. But yeah, and uh, and congrats to the Braves, Sam. They're doing well. Yeah, it's it's been fun. My wife okay, told me you I guys. could go to the World Series this year, so looking for it. We'll be looking for it. If the Phillies don't make it, we'll be expecting good stuff from you guys. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Okay, Sam uh, and Ron, thank you very much. And All right, take trouble. Take care. All right, thanks. Buddy. Thanks. Bye. If you're on Substack, you'll find below the audio line some examples of what we have on offer at Poe River Furniture and Yard Games. Because the podcast keeps me busy in the studio, there's not much in the way of furniture or yard games right now. Hopefully that'll change pretty soon. But there is a huge selection of gifts and decor I know you'll like. In the examples, you'll see a P4B sweatshirt. It says, your government doesn't fear you. Teach them to. That is an idea borrowed from Thomas Jefferson, who believed the government should always have a healthy fear of the people. We have lots of custom mugs, like the giant cup of common sense, and silly Trump mugs, like the one with the slogan, Trump 2024, why the hell not? (laughs) We have to lighten up, folks. In the coming weeks, I'll feature other things like our custom cutting boards and charcuterie boards. You'll definitely like those. So if you're on Substack, just click the link below to go to Poe River Furniture. If not, you can go to poeriver.etsy.com. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poeriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.